Racing. Green light, they're set to go. Green light's on. Set for a start. Kablenz is holding on. Cut glory for Kablenz. But it is all heart style Rico. And he is going to absolutely bolt the Melbourne Cup in. Green light is on for the Green Light On podcast. Yeah, podcasting time and things a little bit more back to normal. I'm with my uh, number one mate when it comes to this podcast. Yeah, I've kicked Jason Adams off. Corey Smith just doing all of the days at the moment. Uh, Smithy, hello to you, mate. Gee, Louise, I'll tell you what, I'll reuse my joke again, but I've got the blue shorts on this time, the home shorts. I've done the form for the Meadows, and hopefully we can find a few winners. And I always say that there's 12 winners to be had, but uh, we'll wait till the last race. I'm doing something a little bit different. There might be 13. Oh, tell me you're tipping a dead heat, mate. Uh, you're really uh, really getting a bit uh, silly. But um, it's funny you say about the shorts, because obviously we were recorded in the Sportsbet studios with the dramatic news of the top 12 when it comes to the three group ones coming up at the Meadows. But I was I can't remember exactly where it was, but I was listening to the radio whilst I was driving somewhere and someone pulled the exact same joke that you pulled about the white shorts on. And I was like, well... Uh, I, I'd never heard of it, to be honest, but um, and being a local footballer I was back in the day, mate, I should, uh, I should be all over it, shouldn't I? <laughs> let's, not talk, let's not talk about that. What? What are you getting at? No, nothing. I don't, I don't want to talk about your, uh, your junior football career, mate. Or senior football career. What about, what about when I filled in for the Monash Griffins and I took Mark of the Century? <laughs> it was only a matter of time until it got brought up this year. There's one. I'm going to keep count of that. Mm, it, was, it was spectacular, let me tell you. Run of the week. All right, Smithy, uh, run of the week. I'm just going to hit play, Corey, and we'll have a listen to this. And by the ready. Down the back, though, and baby JC out and gone, led by four. Kelsey Bales into the clear, and she's starting to thump home as they turn. It's baby JC clear. The bird has flown. Baby JC won it by two lengths. Kelsey Bale, third la-la reindeer, and then... So the bird flying there. Big win for baby JC. A massive run in defeat from Kelsey Bale, and... Look, as we spoke about in the lead-up to the big group ones that are happening, the Temley obviously being the, the number one selection for these types of greyhounds, Baby JC, Kelsey Bale. But that win would do no harm at all for Baby JC. And I thought the sections were outstanding. 504-1768, home in, what was it, 12-11 thereabouts. And, and just a, a really dominant performance coming off a second in the Futurity. So she's really peaking at the right time, Baby JC. Yeah, that run home is what she needs to improve on as well. She's obviously can set the sizzling sectionals in the first two splits. Getting that run home right is the difference between her becoming an absolute superstar of the sport versus just a really, really nice dog. Where are you, Smithy, at the moment? We're uh, recording this one on Zoom, and I just noticed you're sort of lurking around a kitchen or something. You've got a bit of food in the background. <laughs> What's going on? It's- in, in the boardroom at the Meadows, mate. So we've got our little uh, little kitchenette in there and the kettle and a few uh, few snacks there just in case I get hungry mid-record. Mid, uh, what is the go-to snack for you throughout, throughout a hard day at the Meadows there? <laughs> I don't know, I'm not a huge snacker. I'd much rather just uh, eat a big feed, but there's a few uh, packets of chips and some chocolate bars there. So uh, I might have to get onto a, a Twix chocolate bar maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure if you can see me on Zoom, but I, I've used a little button there that, I can click on that says touch up on Zoom. So I've made myself look a bit prettier than I am. Have you noticed that? Well, I thought you had a bit of makeup on or something. <laughs> I thought you might have been doing a little bit of a different record, but you're just trying to uh, look a bit better than my, my rude pill. Yeah, digitally enhanced, I'm going to say I am for this uh, this podcast. Saturday's preview. 
12 races on the card, 13 winners to be found apparently. I'm not too sure how this is going to work out, but uh, Corey will let us know in a minute. Let's kick it off with race one on with Rhino Bale on top in the first, the Tim Lee Feb 11 mix six and seven. I think drawn to uh, to run a race number four, Rhino Bale, and it just needs to repeat what it did last time. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to lean towards the inside with Dolores Bale. I think there's a little bit of improvement to come, and that inside draw will bring it. Okay, uh, speaking of the inside drawing with Miss Old Danny in race number two, I thought was unlucky last week, almost got across the field and then got a little bump through the first corner. But what I really liked about the run last week was she's a quick beginner. She didn't get to the front softly, but then she was able to actually finish the race off really well. So I think if she can find the lead here and kick through, the check will get to second, probably won't be able to match her late. I think Miss Old Danny might be too good. Never be alone, obviously, is the other one with that dramatic speed to be up on pace. Yeah, it's a really interesting race. I think the one, the seven, or the eight could all win, depending mm-hmm. on the way that the, the first split kind of plays out. Miss Old Danny's obviously got the really nice draw from the inside. Never be alone's broken five seconds to the first peg here, and Angus Anchovy looks to get a nice card into the race. So any of those could win. Um, I am leaning towards Miss Old Danny just, just from Never Be Alone, though. My best bet of the program is in race number three, so take it away who you're tipping here first, Corey, so I know where you're, where you're heading. Uh, I'm going to go, hopefully, at the knee trade price, the two Kanji Exile. Probably more of a place bet uh, than a win bet, but Kanji Exile, the two. I'm happy that you recommend Kanji Exile. A little bit disappointed that you only want to, you know, put your guts on the line and go for a place. Uh, This is my (laughs) each way best bet of the night, Kanji Exile. If you go back and watch the replay last week, I was calling the meeting, and she contacted the rail, bumped the rail pretty hard through the first corner. Um, I thought may well have drifted back and sort of given up a little bit after that, but she was able to hit the line pretty well. So... I think from box two, there's no speed at all, I think, with the, the red wizardry things. Normally, not a, a great beginner. Uh, can sort of hit at one in every five. Hopefully, that's not uh, Saturday night. But I think Kanji Exide can lead. And from here, I think it's going to take some beating. Yeah, I think uh, my only concern is the three Orahitas. Is mm. that how you say it? I'm not sure. But uh, does like to get across the rail. So that's my that's my slight concern. And then, obviously, there's a couple of talented dogs drawn out wide. But... Uh, yeah, I'll be, I will be having a play myself. Uh, after last week's run, I don't think anyone wants the rail as hard as Kanji Exile. She literally almost went through the rail and, and out the other side. So uh, we'll see what plays out there. Race four, free-for-all, Aston Velvet over the 600, drawn to win, small field, should cross and lead the red, and, and therefore I think she'll be hard to beat from box number two. Yeah, I'm with Aston Velvet as well. She just looks the class runner in this. Obviously the Hume Cup champ from a few months ago, uh, drawn to lead, drawn to win. What the hell am I doing here? Um, I'm tipping Belleville in, in race five, and I, <laughs> I just I don't know who to tip to possibly beat him, but I don't think he wants to win. Um, it's been 22, 23 starts since his last win. His last win, I think, was either in June or July last year. He's threatened to win time after time, and then he does silly things. I, I don't know who you could possibly tip against him. Maybe Hippo Griff, but I'd prefer him draw the inside. He's a favourite of mine. And I loved Hippo Griff when he was 50 to 1, not $3 in a in a pretty strong grade 5. So I'm going to go with Belvialin, but oh, I, I don't know why I'm saying this. I probably spent the most time doing the form on this race because I just couldn't figure it out, to be honest. I've somehow landed with Sheets for Real, who I think can show pace from time to time. And if she finds... The front here, she might be a little bit hard to uh, run down because there's a few in this that, like you said, they may not like winning all that much. But um, some some really talented greyhounds in it. But yeah, how do you how do you tip in this one? 
I don't know. I don't know. Uh, race number six. I like hierarchy each way. $13 marked in the form, gu- form guide, that is. Uh, a little bit of a American accent sliding in there. And uh, race six, number four, Aston Lyra. So um, I might have an each way bet on both, but um, hierarchy, I think, will be the valued runner in box two. I think it can clear the red early and, you know, from there might run a bit of a race. Yeah, I'm probably looking for, for something going down the inside as well because the eight has speed, the four's got speed, the five uh, has shown an electric turn of foot as well. So I wouldn't discount your hierarchy. This is probably, I know I've spoken a few times about how hard some of these races have been. This is probably the hardest one for me. I've got Magic Muffin on top, but I think I'm just being biased because I had a nice collect on the other week. Okay. Then you bombed out on a multi as well on that same dog, didn't you? I did, yes, yes, unfortunately. <laughs> the joys, the ups and downs of the Magic Muffin. Race number seven, um, I, Zara's Ivan's almost finished for mine. Um, his last five or six runs have been woeful, so I'm going to put a line through him in this, and therefore I'm left with modern Kalinda as the dog to beat. But um, interestingly enough, even the watchdogs put the comment about Zara's Ivan, grows a leg off this draw. If he is going to improve, this is it. If not, um, I might be giving Tommy Daly a buzz and saying, look, you want to sell him for a few grand and we'll give him a couple of runs up the straight at Hillsville because he, he's he been really disappointing, Zara's Ivan, since that big win too. Uh, was it Phoenix night? I think it was. Since then, um, he beat one of uh, one of um, Camilleri Coleman's greyhounds and since then he's just dropped the bundle. So I'm with Modern Kalinda. Yeah, I'm also with Modern Kalinda. My only query is the Meadows form, obviously, the Sandown form has been absolutely electric, but didn't break 30 seconds a couple of starts ago. She obviously has all the talent in the world, and she could she could run 29-7 here, and it wouldn't surprise me. I just want to see her do it before I have a decent crack at her, but she's certainly drawn well. And as you said, Zara's Ivan, question marks. Um, yeah, there's quite a few question marks over a few of these. You hear Obale coming back from Brisbane. Uh, how has she travelled back? But modern Kalinda for me. Yeah, race eight on with one responder. Not a great deal of confidence. I think the price is short at even money, but drawn to be hard to beat. Yeah, I think so. I think the five will lead, but uh, we'll get overrun late. And just from the inside, should get plenty of room with a slow beginner to its outside. And Blue Demon didn't go all that well last night at uh, at the Meadows, albeit running second and off the inside. So I'll be with the one responder. Okay, I'm going with uh, Crackerjack Rob in race number nine. I like these Crackerjack dogs, um, and I think when they come to town, last few runs they've drawn pretty well. Crackerjack King, obviously the best bet last week, got the job done, and I think Crackerjack Rob's going to take a power of beating down in class as well from that last run um, in a heat of the uh, the derby down there at, uh, at Ballarat, mate. So I'm with number one. Uh, I'm going to be with what will likely be the favourite in Harris Skipper. I don't mind him drawn out wide. He's a big boy. He's still learning his trade. He's obviously very, very strong to the line. So being out wide to me is no problem here. Harris Skipper, the seven, who 39 kilos. I just have a soft spot for some of these big boys that uh, take a little bit of time to wind up and need a little bit of luck. Well, hopefully Aston Roman's the big boy that salutes its hand down tonight. That's what I'm crossing uh, my fingers for. But um, just before we move on to race number 10, Smithy, have you ever had like a blister from doing hard, like, hard work somewhere, like as in shoveling or anything like that? Because I notice you've had a lot of office jobs. You've worked at... Was it, um, what do they call it, a, a bottle shop? You, you know, you've sort of always been inside behind the jump, but have you ever done any hard work before? I did, mate. I uh, did a little bit of landscaping out of did school you? and I've done some, uh, my first ever job was at a furniture importer where we uh, we carried around these massive couches. Um, so, yeah, I've had a couple of blisters 
from hard work is as much of a shock as that is to a lot of people. Obviously, that furniture job uh, just sort of gave you that natural strength now that you've sort of, you know, That's kept that, that physique <laughs> all these years later. But um, no, I, I, the reason... Food or no, the reason I say that, mate, is um, I, I actually had a, a delivery of sawdust and sand to our straight track, and most people use machines, but I thought it was a warm day last week, and I thought, look, I'll just, just get on the, the shovel. And anyway, I, I did it in a few hours, and I had blisters everywhere, and I thought, look, I'll just try and pop one of these blisters and see, and I, not the thing to do, I tell you now, because my finger, I just knocked it a moment ago. That's why we're having this uh, this conversation. But it's been about two weeks and I've, I've nearly not been able to use my thumb for two weeks, put it that way. So hard work and me and you, Smithy, just does not go together. So that's it's a little bit of a pointless story, but that's what podcasting's for. You never know where it's going to end up. But race number 10, let's get back on track. Uh, on with, uh, what was I with here? I, I didn't like this race, actually. I put a line through it. I do that every now and then. Yeah, you seem to do that on a weekly basis, I reckon, Jim. Uh, I'm going with dry lightning. I reckon it's drawn to get a really, really nice run. The run at Shepparton two starts ago was uh, was pretty good, winning in 25-24. So going with dry lightning to bring that sort of form. A couple of the other greyhounds I like are, are drawn awkwardly in the five and the seven. Gary Stun on them well-grounded. So dry mm. lightning for me. I think Aaron D. Batista's in for a good night uh, at the Meadows. Uh, I'm with Buck Hunter in race number 11, drawn well. And when they go 28.04 at Bendigo, I think that is a tick of approval that they're ready to win a race in town. Yeah, I, I really like Buck Hunter as a greyhound. I've backed him plenty of times around the provincial circuit, but uh, I've landed with Vendetta Reef here. I think that uh, she will be leading for Mark Delbridge and give them something to chase. Race 12. Now, you said to me you've got something on race 12 of a dead heat or something. There's going to be two winners. I don't really know how this happens. Um, terrible city race, I think, is the way I'm going to describe it. Like, it, no no offence at all to to the, the runners involved, but, my goodness, it, um, it's, not a, it's not a strong race, and these connections have done a wonderful job to find a race like this for 5,900 of the winner. Yeah, I, I tend to agree there, but uh, I am tipping a dead heat, Jim. I don't do it often, and I probably should never do it again. But Aston Tend has been involved in two races in its last four starts that have had dead heats. It dead-heated last start with uh, Reality Mask, I think it was. Yeah. And then four starts ago, there was a dead heat. It ran last, but there was a dead heat in the race. So I'm just going to continue on with that. And I'm going to say Aston Tenge and Octet Stride, the three and the six, will dead heat in the last. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've got two punters punting clubs right for the year and all of a sudden now you've gone from tipping winners to somehow thinking you're going to tip a dead heat. Like you, you li- if, if, this, if this happens, I might just retire. I'm, it might be, this may be my last mm. show. I tell you what. I, I tell you what. probably exciting a lot of the listeners, but uh, <laughs> if this comes off, if I tip the dead heat, that's just a walk-off home run, just bang, straight over the outside fence. <laughs> And that's it. You'll never hear from me again. I'll tell you what. If, if this is a dead heat, it doesn't matter who even dead heats in the race. If it's Aston Tenge and Octair Stride, you get a $100 um, voucher to the City Views Bistro. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's any dog in the race dead heats, even for second, third or fourth or fifth or sixth, we'll get a hold of a $50 City View Bistro voucher. Oh, I've said that terribly. City View Bistro voucher for you, Smithy. Uh, you're a mad man. I'm tipping Eleanor Bale, um, and I think she'll dead heat with Aston Ten, just to be honest. Oh, he jumped on the bandwagon. <laughs> Hunters, hunting. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> 
I'm a little bit lost for words. Um, I, I didn't know what you were going to get at with that race number 12, but uh, punters, punting club, I don't even know if I want to know what you're doing in this this week, uh, Corey, because you're full of confidence, clearly. Um, I'll kick it off. I'm going my best bet of the program, which is Kanji Exile. 20 the win, 30 the place. Over to you, Smith Doggy Dog. Well, I asked our good friends at Sportsbet if they could put up a dead heat or not market. They haven't come through with the goods as of yet. <laughs> so I'm going to have $50 to win on race four, number two, Aston Velvet. She looks like the class runner. She's in form. Um, if you put a line through her last run, she looks very, very hard to beat here. So hopefully we get $2 plus and uh, we can double our money. Good on you, Corey. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, good luck and happy punting and good luck with that dead heat happening, mate. If it does, I tell you what, you're going to be Corey Smith the magician next week. So uh, thanks, mate. But uh, I reckon that's about as good as a moral gets is the... Race 12, dead heat. <laughs> Good night, mate. Farewell. <laughs> Inside Info. Well, my favourite segment on the podcast, Inside Info, and a man who they tell me isn't a big fan of coming on shows like this, but he thought the green light on, it's number one. I better jump on and become a part of it, is Aaron D. Batista and... Dee Batista, mate, you've been good enough to jump on the pod and we greatly appreciate that. And we feel like from this podcast, you're a very underrated trainer having a very, very good few months. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of going on these things, but it's hard <laughs> to say no to the great man. So, yeah, I thought I'd come on and, and uh, yeah, have a chat. Well, mate, I think you're the first person to pump my tyres up, so <laughs> thank you for that. But um, <laughs> for you, mate, where, where did the involvement in Greyhound Racing begin? Um, oh, a long time ago, um, probably back in the in the nineties, where I, I went out and bought a pup. Um, yeah, off my own back, sort of thing. I was just always keen on them, and um, yeah, it started there, and I was in and out of them for for a bit, and then yeah, probably um, ten or eleven years ago, I bought this property at Tulane, which is sort of had the dog permit, and and was starting to be set up for dogs, and um, yeah, now it's just turned into sort of a full-time job for me. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much how I've got to where I am. I've got to speak to a few people on this podcast. Um, Glenn Dayton's another who he one day just went to the Shepherd and Greyhounds, uh, liked the look of it, and then got involved, and now is a very, very good trainer. Uh, ha- ha- that, that that first involvement, you go out and buy a pup, was there ever any any times, I guess, where you thought, nah, this this isn't for me, or was it something that you, you sort of just fell in love with as soon as you, you took on the collar and lead? Uh, no, I think at times everyone sort of thinks, what am I doing? <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I remember on stage I, I bred a litter and sort of thought, well, if I don't get anything out of this, that, that might be enough. And, um, yeah, I've got a couple of nice ones, so that kept me involved. And, um, yeah, there's times where I've only had one or two and, and that. And, um, yeah, you, you sort of, yeah, at times like you question it. But, um, yeah, once you have a bit of a good run and, and things get rolling and you can make a living out of it, I guess it's a bit different then. And, um, yeah, I'm in a position now where it's it's pretty hard to get out of it. So, yeah, we've got pups on the ground and all the rest of it. And, um, yeah, we've had a good run and, and just been enjoying it lately. So, mm. no, it's it's been a good couple of years. I love a story from an outsider coming into the sport like that and, and then uh, and then being successful as well, which I think is another another great thing. Um, at the moment, would you say you've got the best kennel of greyhounds that you've ever had? You've got the likes of the Missile Dannys, the False Confidence. There seems to be a lot of depth in the kennel at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think... By sort of breeding and buying our own pups, we've given ourselves an opportunity to get get our hands on a few that have a bit of ability. I think 
when you train for other people, you're always at the mercy of what comes your way. Whereas, yeah, when you breed your own and that, you're a chance of getting a good one. And I think, you know, that's definitely worked out out for me with, you know, Miss Old Danny we bought as a pup. And, and we've got a few others. I mean, if Extreme Force puts it together, he's a, he's a fair dog on his day. And Manila Dusk is another one we bred, and he's just been a great dog for us. And, and he had a brilliant year last year. So, no, there's some nice ones in there. Um, and, yeah, there's more pups coming through. And, um, yeah, it's probably probably the most depths we've had in the, in the kennel, I'd say. Yeah, we pretty much last year on this podcast, mate, we pretty much labelled the 595 start at Sandown Park the Manila Dust start because you said he had a great year. He had an amazing year, didn't he? Especially over that, in that middle distance in town. It was extraordinary how good he went. Yeah, yeah. He had a golden run there for a bit. Um, you know, he had pretty pretty good box manners and he was just nailing the start and his mid-race was really good. He's a dog who only just holds on over the 600, but for some reason he's very hard to get past and I, I don't recall him getting run down too often and, mm. and most of them wins were in the best of the night. So he's just a real trier. Um, I did send him up to Queensland for a race up there at the end of um, end of last year, but unfortunately, um, yeah, he just pulled up a bit sore from his trial. So he's having a bit of a, a well-end break at the moment and, um, yeah, we'll see see um, how long it takes to get him right. But, yeah, hopefully he's not too far away. We'll rest and recharge with that boy. Let's talk about the three in at the Meadows uh, Saturday night, starting with Missile Danny. Uh, the form guide says she ran second last week. Um, I think it was as good, if not better, than the winner. Um, she almost got across at that first corner, got bumped. And I, to be honest, mate, I, I thought she might have been done at that point. But to her credit, she just gave a lot in the last 100 metres. And I think from box one, if she can hold the check early, who does have early speed, she could be in a very, very good place. There is a lot of pace in the race, however, but box one brings her right into this. Yeah, I've been dying to draw the red with her and... Um yeah, I was pretty stoked when the box draw came out. But uh, looking at the field, there is a stack of pace in the race with Never Be Alone and, and the check goes good too. And, um, yeah, but I was wrapped with her run last week. As you said, she jumped good, couldn't quite cross and then copped a little ankle tap, which which cost her a few lengths, but she knuckled down really well. So, yeah, I'm hoping she can ping again and um, and hold the rail, like you say. And, um, yeah, if she does find the front, she she's capable of running a little bit of time. Um, but, yeah, it's a good field and, and she is – Fairly short, but, yeah, hopefully she can get the job done. Yeah, well, I think she'll be pretty hard to beat, mate. Race 10, uh, Dry Lightning. You've got a pretty good run with the box draws uh, this weekend, which is always nice because a few of these have been drawn a bit tricky lately. Uh, Dry Lightning, box number two, comes with some provincial form to town, but I, I reckon the box draw brings uh, brings this pup right into contention, uh, the daughter of Zambora Brocky. Yeah, yeah, she... Um she was really, really good in her win a couple of weeks ago at Shep. Um, I thought she was a little bit underdone going into the race. And, um, yeah, for her to knuckle down and get up in the 520s was a was a good run from her. And then the corner start at Bendigo last week, just missed it a touch and, and got jammed up early, but still fought on really well. And, look, she handles the Meadows pretty well. Uh, you know, she goes good there. She's drawn well, as you say. So, yeah, I'm... Um, Pretty optimistic she should run a good race on Saturday night. I'll tell you what, the Buck Hunter, race 11, uh, box number one. Uh, as I said, made a nice run of draws uh, on Saturday night. Uh, so make sure you use use them because he's had six, seven, six, double five in his last five starts. So he's drawn crap week after week. Finally, you've got something worth uh, worth going out of. But in saying that, his win last start, would you, would you A, have said that his last four or five runs have just been unlucky, hence he hasn't really got the greatest winning form until that last start where he bounced in front 6.54, 28.04 at Bendigo. There is no doubt that is a city-class performance. 
Yeah, he he can be a hard dog to follow because um yeah he probably just does need that little bit of room early. But if he does jump like last week, uh, he he is a chance. I think um that's a race maybe with Vendetta Reef, and I think that's got a lot of pace too. So um yeah, he's a dog who probably needs a bit of luck early. Um can be hard to follow at times. He's not Mister Consistent, but if he does get it right and gets on the bunny, he's a pretty hard dog to run down. So. Look, he was in form. It was just a shy at the stunts. We'll pop him in there. And, um, you know, if he pinches, it's a good result. So, um, but, yeah, he's had a good week. There's no reason he can't run well uh, tomorrow night. 20-odd years ago, mate, you first get involved in racing um, with, with next to no involvement prior to that. In, in fact, no involvement, as you said. Um, can, can you believe now the prize money that you're racing for as a, as a full-time trainer? You've got three greyhounds in. You're racing for nearly $20,000 in prize money in the one night if they all if they all take home the chockies. It's extraordinary how much we, we get to race for in this great state. Yeah, especially the last 12 months, um, you know, for the provincial dogs especially. Um, you know, it was always probably a bit under there for a while. You, you go into a mixed 4-5 in the country and you're sort of racing really good dogs and, and I thought it was probably under there for a bit but now it's really worthwhile and, um, you know, I, I go to ship nearly every Monday night and can bring home a wage there. And um, when you go to town, it's a real bonus. But, um, yeah, it, it is a bit crazy now, the money we're running for. And um, it's it's still hard. It's not an easy way to make a living. But at least now you feel like you're getting rewarded for yeah. your effort. And, um, yeah, no, the last 12 months has been has been great for me. And, um, you know, it's, it's um, got a lot of people, I guess, a lot more excited about, about having a crack. So, yeah, it's well, that, great. That's probably my last question for you, mate, is if a young fella came to you and said, look, I, young fella or young girl came to you and said, look, I, I really want to get into greyhound training, what, what would be your advice? Because you've done it off the bat of having no involvement. So, and I, I'd assume a lot of our listeners would be just punters who, who like to have a bit of a wager but have never actually owned or trained. What would be your advice to them? You know, it's, it's hard work, obviously, being a trainer, but if you do it right and you do it well, there is reward at the end of the road. Yeah, I think it's probably, you know, about getting the right people around you. And if you can if you can get sort of involved in a in a good kennel and, and learn from the right people and um you know, get into the right bloodlines and that, I think it's the way to do it. I don't think just going out and grabbing something off the net without sort of putting much thought into it or, or doing research is the way to go. I think, you know, don't rush, just sort of, you know, work out what you're doing and, and you've got to come up with a bit of a, a plan and a way forward. But, um, yeah, if you get the right people around you, I think that's uh, the best way to get into it. And most people are happy to help, especially if you if you want to come along and give them a hand, we're always after it, you know, helping hand. So, yeah, that's probably the way to go about it. Great advice, mate. As I let you run, I promise that was the last question, but there's one more. Who's the best of the three for the punters uh, that, that do listen to the podcast and that do need to make a dollar a gamble responsibly off the punt? Is it is it uh, Miss Old Danny, the, the youngster coming through in the early race? Um, look, she she probably is just due to how she's been beginning and, and the good draw. Um, you know, between her and Dry Lightning are probably the, the two. But kind of, he's a bit hit and miss and he's short enough at $3, so I'll probably just watch him go around. But, yeah, the other two should be right up there early and, and hopefully at least one of them can get it done. Good luck, mate. Uh, bring home the treble on Saturday night, all right? <laughs> All right, thanks, mate. Cheers. Well, that's it for this episode. Great insight, too, to Aaron D. Batista. I just love those stories of trainers who had no involvement at all in the sport, have taken a punt, 
and ended up being a successful full-time trainer down the track. It's, it's a wonderful story and a great insight he gave too about being patient, taking your time if you are getting involved in the sport and do it uh, do it well. Uh, and good luck to him with three runners at the Meadows on Saturday night. It was a bit of a fun episode, that one. I enjoyed uh, stirring Corey Smith up a little bit as well. He, uh, he takes it well. Well, until next time, punters, as always, uh, safe travelling, happy punning and have a good weekend.